Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom. This is the look ahead on VSN, the sports betting network. This is the look ahead right here on VSN, the sports betting network. Greg Oops Peterson filling in tonight for Scott Seidenberg. Great to be with you as we've got a great three hours that is going to be coming up in about 30 minutes or so. For those of you guys out here on the West Coast, that'll be 10 30 p.m. Pacific. Those of you out there out east, 1.30 a.m., we're going to be joined by Pam Maldonado. She does a terrific job over there at Yahoo Sports. We're going to be talking with her just about how to gauge some of these player props for this upcoming week in the NFL, because obviously when it comes to taking a look at the NFL, you're going to see more. I think the proper word for it is funky lineups that are going to be out there. Obviously, guys dealing with a lot of res, so we're going to be discussing that. We're going to be taking a little bit of a look forward at the national title game out there in college football as well between Alabama and Georgia. So going to have a great time there. Jason Weingarten of the world of Weingarten. He's going to be the most interesting guest, I guess, out here on this show. He is going to be coming up at 11.30 p.m. Pacific, 2.30 a.m. Eastern. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Take a look at this weekend's action as we're going to have a whole lot of it. You've got week 18 in the NFL. You've obviously got college basketball going to have 100-plus games there. Depends on how many games wind up getting postponed or not, but we're going to have a lot there, so that is going to be fun. I'm going to be taking a look at everything that we've got for college basketball for this upcoming week. We're going to be taking a look at a little bit of NFL for this week because we've got a few games on Saturday. Typically, I know that they wound up doing a situation which typically you wind up having all these games on Sunday, so good to see that they've got a pair of Saturday games to be able to split that up, so we're certainly going to be hitting those hard and heavy on the show tonight. Going to be taking a look at a little NBA as well. How the Nets are going to be looking with sort of this part-time ordeal with Kyrie Irving. How to gauge them moving forward. They've got a big game that's going to be coming up against the Milwaukee Bucks. So we're going to be diving into that. But first things first, we've got to lead off with what we're seeing out there in college basketball and the player of the year hunt because you wind up seeing two of the top guys wind up doing battle out there in the great state of Wisconsin. Wisconsin wound up taking on Iowa and it was Wisconsin who wound up being able to get the job done. That was a very convincing win and cover by Wisconsin as they wound up closing right around two and a half to three-ish point favorites, and they were able to get there very easily with Johnny Davis, who's currently in contention for player of the year. We're going to get to his numbers in a minute, doing all the heavy lifting for Wisconsin, 87-78 to 78 the final. So that was a big one. I wound up giving this one out for the New York Post because I figured that this was going to be a relatively big game. You've got Keegan Murray, who is also in contention for player of the year as well. He wound up having himself a relatively solid game for Iowa. Iowa just 
was unable to get a whole heck of a lot around him because for Keegan Murray, 27 points, five rebounds, goes two of four from three point range, good six foot eight combo player. Really, there hasn't been a lot of fall off between he and what you wound up seeing out of Luca Garza last year, but for Johnny Davis, he wound up setting the tone. By the time Iowa got to 19 points, Johnny Davis had 15 for Wisconsin, goes 10 of 18 from the floor, 26 points, nine rebounds as Wisconsin able to win the rebound battle in this game by a count of 43 to 26. And that leads you to the player of the year hunt. You wind up seeing two of the top guys on display right now. If you're taking a look at DraftKings right now, Drew Timmy is the short shot at 7-1. If you're looking to bet this market right now, and this is odds to be able to win the Wooden Award, and since this is via DraftKings, these are going to be excluding any players out there in the state of New Jersey. So anyone on Rutgers and Seton Hall is excluded. Maybe you put Jaron Roden at 100 to 1, but you're not really missing out on much. I will say Ron Harper Jr. Ron Harper Jr. is a relatively solid player, but I mean, man, really not much of a shot there. But you take a look at this market right now, and I still remember taking a look at this about two weeks ago. I actually came on Christmas Eve. I was on the nightcap, and I was taking a look at these odds. And at the time, Johnny Davis was finding himself at 25 to 1. As we know, Wisconsin, they pull off that big one against Purdue. They wind up being able to get the job done tonight. He is now clocking in at 8-1. to one. Drew Timmy is a short shot. And then from there, Johnny Davis, along with Paulo Boncaro, and EJ Liddell are sitting there at 8-1. to one. And if you're looking at Keegan Murray, we wound up seeing on display tonight, he's currently at 22-1. to one. A lot of guys from the Big Ten are actually ahead of him. Kofi Coburn at 14-1. to one. He wound up having a massive performance against Maryland tonight. He wound up being able to do a good job with another double-double guy who's been just on another level for this Illinois team all season long. If you're looking at who's number five, though, that'd be Oshay Ogbaji of Kansas at 10 to 1. Oscar Shiwa is currently coming in at 12 to 1. Ben Matherin, someone who really wasn't on the list until I would say about a few weeks ago. He's coming in at 16 to 1. Jay Nivey's 18 to 1. Trace Jackson Davis of Indiana's at 20 to 1. And then a guy that I wound up highlighting saying that if you are able to find a number on him, there was relatively solid value about two weeks ago. And I still think that that's the case. Wendell Moore Jr at 35 to one, but I do think that it's really intriguing what we've seen out of Johnny Davis. He, if I were to, if I were to give out a vote for national player of the year right now, he would be the guy that I would wind up giving it to. Now, whenever you're betting on awards, we are seeing this in the NFL as well, because when it comes to the NFL, you wind up seeing the comments of a writer who shall not be named saying that he would not vote for Aaron Rodgers because of his vaccination status. He didn't think that he was a good guy and, well, that's something that winds up coming into play. You wind up having writers that they're a little bit stuck with the times. They wind up having a little bit of a crusade, insert your adjective here, against someone. And you do always wind up having that come into play a little bit. But when it comes to these awards, you do always want to be taking a look at just narrative in general. And I do think that signature wins are a big part of it, which is why I will be taking a look at Johnny Davis. And when you just take a look at efficiency when you take a look at percentage of points scored by one guy for a team Johnny Davis is darn near towards the top the other guy that actually really comes to mind Ron Sebron of NC State as we know Wisconsin right now having a little bit of a better year than NC State he's actually been having like 20 points 10 rebounds 3 assists so got to give him a little bit of love there but I mean for Johnny Davis you take a look at it he has now scored at least 20 points in each of the team's last six games. I should say the last six games that he has played in. And I actually would argue, because Johnny Davis has missed two games this year, that came against Providence and that came against Nichols. Those actually help his cause a little bit more because 
when Wisconsin wound up taking on Providence at home, they wound up losing that game out right now. Providence, relatively solid school. They did wind up taking a bad loss against Marquette a couple days ago, but they also wound up playing a three-point game against Nichols. Nichols had an impressive win tonight. That was against Incarnate Word, but I mean, this is also a Nichols team that they wound up getting a big giant loss when they wound up taking on Baylor as well. So I think that there are times in which when you take a look at this award, when it comes to the Wooden Award, when it comes to odds be able to win like NBA MVP, NFL MVP, what have you, because I bring up Aaron Rodgers, he obviously wound up missing that Kansas City Chiefs game earlier this season. Sometimes a guy missing a game could actually help because it shows just how valuable that player is to the team when he's not out there on the field they look just completely different and I do think that that is the case when it comes to Johnny Davis if you're taking a look at the rest of this board I would say that the player that I'd be voting in at number two right now I think O'Shea Ogbaji has been relatively solid at 10 to 1 I wouldn't be betting this right now I would need a little bit of a better number but you take a look at Kansas they're ranked in the top five right now they've been able to do some absolutely superb work they're going to be on display against another ranked team over the weekend against Texas Tech Kansas has been one of the most lethal offenses in all of college basketball so they certainly have been able to do their part so I do think that that is a guy that I'd be taking a look at if you're looking for more value down the board I wound up mentioning this a little bit earlier Wendell Moore I would actually have him above Paulo Boncaro with regards to the most valuable player on Duke, I can't wind up advocating for anything on Paolo Bancaro right now because why would you take 8-1 to one on a guy that you don't even think is the most valuable player on his team? And right now, there's 358-1 teams. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense with Bancaro. No question, he's been relatively solid. He has been someone that has been a little bit less effective from three-point range than... I would say that I was expecting, but you do take a look at this Duke Blue Devils team, and at 35 to 1, I do think that Wendell Moore has quite a bit of a good gripe because though Paul Boncaro is actually the leading scorer for this team, 17 points, 7.5 rebounds per game, you've got more clocking in, 16.3 points, 5.4 rebounds per game. Here's what really separates him. He's able to give up 4.8 assists per game, and he's actually been the guy that shot very well from three-point range at 41%. Boncaro shoots 32.5%. Boncaro right now the reason why he's the leader in the odds board is just because he winds up getting a little bit more attention coming into the year he was at number one freshman he and Chad Holmgren were neck and neck for that Boncaro has outperformed Chad Holmgren right now and that shows in the odds if you're looking at Chad Holmgren to be able to win national player of the year he is clocking in currently at 40 to 1 and some of these guys on here are just absolutely hilarious because I remember seeing a little bit earlier on you wound up having Andre Curbelo on this list he's still there at 100 to 1 Andre Corbello has played four games this season for Illinois, and Illinois has been legitimately so much better when he has been off the floor rather than on it. So, I mean, there are some bets on here in which it's like, you shouldn't be considering these guys. I mean, Marcus Carr wound up being at like 25 to 1 a few weeks ago. That was absolutely ridiculous. He has thus went down to 100 to 1. That's a little bit more appropriate, but even then, you're lighting your money on fire with that. But what more at 35 to 1? I think would be worth a little bit of a shot. And if you're looking for short shots that, well, I have been available really since I wound up giving out Johnny Davis a few weeks ago at 25 to 1, you do have Jabari Smith. Jabari Smith at 25 to 1. He's on an Auburn team that has really been impressive this season. I think that he's going to be a top five guy in regards to the NBA draft. Personally, he's been able to show that much range of versatility. A guy that's in six foot eight, is able to shoot darn near 40% from three point range, shot score on an Auburn team that. They were missing their top score from last year for much of the season. And Alan Flanagan, he's been able to ease his way back 
out there in the SEC. Things are relatively wide open because I do think that Kentucky is that number one team, although they did wind up losing to LSU a couple days ago. But with regards to Auburn, I certainly think that they're going to be there when it's all said and done. So I do think that odds to be able to take a look at odds to be able to win player of the year. It is certainly going to be heating up a little bit more. I do think that the award is going to be going through Johnny Davis after what we wound up seeing, not just tonight, but on Monday as well when he wound up putting the team on his back at Purdue, against Purdue. And when it comes to these awards, you want to be taking a look at guys that they are able to have these signature wins. Right now, Johnny Davis has that one on the road against Purdue. It's going to be interesting to see how these odds wind up moving with regards to games that we're going to be seeing in future weeks. And when it comes to what we're going to be seeing in future weeks, it's going to be very fascinating to see what we wind up getting in the NBA. Going to be hitting on that, on that next right here on the look at on VSIN, the Sports Bank Network. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Doc Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great Thank conversation. Thank you. This is The Look Ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. Welcome back. This segment of The Look Ahead is brought to you by Zen Nicotine Pouches. It is a fresh way to enjoy nicotine without the baggage of cigarettes, dip, or vape. No more smelling like an ashtray, no more spit cups, and no more batteries to charge or leaky equipment to deal with. Zen Nicotine Pouches are smoke-free, spit-free, and available in 10 varieties like spearmint, wintergreen, citrus, and many more for your convenience each Variety comes in two strengths, so that way you can easily find the satisfaction level that is perfect for you. Zinn is America's number one nicotine pouch and is available in over 100,000 locations nationwide, meaning that it's never been easier to find your Zinn. So head over to Zinn.com slash find to be able to locate a store that is nearest you. That is Zinn.com slash find. Warning, this is a product that contains nicotine, and nicotine is an addictive chemical. As we're back here on the lookout with myself, Greg Peterson, and I mentioned a little bit earlier, take a look at the NBA right now. What you've got to be taking a look at with regards to the NBA is just these are not some of the teams that you want to be handicapping towards the beginning of the year. And by that, I mean, take a look at some of the roster signings that we have been seeing in recent days. I just wound up going to hoopsrumor.com. Just taking a look at the recent wire of guys that have recently signed 10-day contracts. Here are guys that have very recently signed 10-day contracts. The Bucks wound up signing Langston Galloway earlier today. John Teske, if you remember him from the Michigan Wolverines, yeah, on Monday he wound up signing with the Memphis Grizzlies. Luke Cornett is currently with the Milwaukee Bucks. Ryan Archidiacono wound up signing with the Knicks. Greg Monroe is back with the Washington Wizards. Tyler Johnson, you remember that guy? Yeah, he's now on the San Antonio Spurs along with Anthony Lamb. Braxton Key wound up getting a nice contract. Jaquan Jeffries, he is now in the league as well. And Javier Morris, 
Hopefully we wind up seeing a little bit more out of him. Jalen Morris, I should say, he is now signed. He is someone that wound up going to college at Malloy. I was wondering why I'd never heard of him. That is not a D1 school. This is right now what you're dealing with when you are handicapping the NBA. Now, I do feel like it's a little bit easier to gauge a few of these teams than others because there are some teams that they have really been stuck behind the eight ball, to say the least, when it comes to everything that we're dealing with. We remember the Cleveland Cavaliers got off to that absolutely massive start this year, and legitimately, this has been the best team in the league with regards to against the spread record, 25-12-1. They have been nothing short of superb if you've been betting on them on a night-in and night-out basis. As we know now, this is a Cleveland Cavaliers team that we've got to be handicapping a little bit different moving forward for the rest of the season. Rookie Rubio wound up going out about a week and a half or so ago. They've been dealing with injuries to their star guards. Darius Garland has been missing quite a bit of time. You've been without Colin Sexton for much of the season as well. So it has really caused this team to really be in an interesting circumstance, to say the least. We have certainly seen the Lions wind up moving on them quite a bit. You take a look at this bunch, they wind up losing to the Memphis Grizzlies. I think it was about two nights ago that they wound up playing that game. So it is going to be very fascinating to see what we wind up getting out of this Cleveland Cavaliers team in that game. They were a three and a half point favorite against the Grizzlies, unable to get it done. That was one of the first games in which Garland wound up coming back for. So he has been trying to reacclimate himself a little bit. But when you take a look at that team, I think it's going to be so fascinating to be able to take a look at them moving forward just because you do have all those guard injuries. When you do wind up seeing a team that winds up getting very hot against the spread as well, we wound up seeing this with the totals in the NBA as well. What comes up must come down. In that case, what in regards to the total, what was going down must come up because you wound up seeing in the first month or so of the season, the over just be hitting like wildfire. It was about 62% for the first 30, 35 days of the season. And now you take a look at the NBA and things have all of a sudden been able to even themselves out. Unders still have a little bit of an edge, 51.8%, 291 unders to 271 overs, but you typically see that in a lot of sports. You'll notice that bookmakers, typically they do shade down their numbers like the NFL, for instance. You've seen right around 54 or so percent of games in the NFL wind up going under the total thus far this season. You just take a look at the NBA, and if you're taking a look at the last 30 days and the last 30 days only, you've seen about 52.5% of games wind up going over the total. So we've seen a big adjustment there, and if you're able to go a little bit more with regards to the last 60 days, you've seen about 52.5% of games go over over the last 60 days after you wound up having that very hot start for the unders the first month of the season. So you know that bookmakers have been able to do a really solid job of being able to keep up with that. There are certain teams that I always do feel like there's a little bit of an advantage with fading them. Typically, this is blue blood schools when it comes to college basketball. Obviously, when it comes to the MLB, you know that the money is going to be coming in on teams like the New York Yankees, the Chicago Cubs, these teams that they've got very, very good fan bases. You've got a lot of people that they always want to be betting on their favorite team. So you're always able to find a nice little bit of a built-in advantage when it comes to those teams, and the NBA is no different. You take a look at a team that's just been lighting your money on fire all season long, and I've talked about this one quite a bit. How about the LA Lakers? You're taking a look at the LA Lakers, 16-23 and 23 against the spread. That has been downright awful. I think the only team that's really been worse is the Portland Trailblazers at 13-23-1. You can make a case for the Denver Nuggets as well. They have been 15-21 and 21 against the spread, but I take a look at this Lakers team, and I just don't see why there's a lot of people that have any faith whatsoever in them. I do recognize that the names on the back of the jerseys are very flashy. LeBron James 
when you wind up having him actually out there on the floor, Anthony Davis, as we know, Anthony Davis has been all sorts of banged up and give a little bit of credit to the Lakers. They have been able to pick things up a little bit more recently. They actually wound up entering into Christmas with a losing record, so they've been able to get on a little bit of a hot streak. They're going to be in an interesting game that we're going to be breaking down a little bit later with the Atlanta Hawks, but I just take a look at the way that this team is built, and it just seems like it's a team that is built for like a 2013 video game rather than here in 2021-22. I think that it's going to be very difficult for them to be able to find any sort of a rhythm whatsoever because you've got so many older guys that they're all sort of adjusting to newer roles. I mean, really, other than Russell Westbrook and Carmelo Anthony, everyone's been banged up for the scene. You've had Taylor and Horton Tucker wind up missing quite a bit of time. Obviously, LeBron James and Anthony Davis have also wound up missing their fair share of games. You've still got Anthony Davis out. He's been out for right around, I would say, the last three or so weeks for this team. So that is certainly something that has been hurting this bunch. I mean, it's gotten so bad that I remember a few weeks ago, I was seeing Jay Huff getting meaningful minutes for this team. So they've been certainly trying to mix and match with that aspect. And with the LA Lakers, really some of their best signings are the guys that you wouldn't expect. Malik Monk has been relatively solid for this team. Whatever Austin Reeves has been out there, he's been able to give this team a little bit of pump, but... When it comes to the Western Conference in general, it's certainly not going through them. And I feel like the Western Conference is really a conference that it is going to be going through the Golden State Warriors. When you take a look at odds to be able to win MVP, Steph Curry is by far leading that award, and rightfully so. Now, you do want to note, next few days might be a little bit brutal for the Warriors. We've got Draymond Green along with Steph Curry dealing with injuries. So that is going to be certainly something that is going to be popping up in these next few games. But and take a look at just the overall futures board. Right now, you've got the Golden State Warriors as that number two option with odds to be able to win the be able to win the title at plus 550. And I think that that is relatively correct if you didn't wind up having the Nets at plus 245 because I, I think that the Nets are way too high. I would think the Warriors at a short shot of more like plus 450, plus five dollars actually seems a little bit more appropriate. But and you take a look at the Lakers being number six on this list at 12 to one. I don't know about you, but that does not seem like you're getting any sort of solid value whatsoever. Here's an interesting set. Teams that enter into Christmas with a losing record, not a single one of them has ever won the title. The Lakers would have to try to be the first team to do so because they wound up being one game below 500 prior to that Christmas game against the Nets, and they wound up losing that game as well. I just think that this is a team that when you wind up having a bunch of aging stars, it's not something that you necessarily want any part of it. Just take a look at what we've seen in recent history when it comes to the NBA and teams that have been able to win the title. Yes, the LA Lakers were able to win that title in the bubble, but that I felt like was actually very good for the LA Lakers because you did wind up having a little bit of a better blend, the blend that we've seen in recent years be able to win. You don't necessarily have a bunch of guys that are north of 30 years old. You obviously don't have a bunch of rookies either because you take a look at that Milwaukee Bucks team. Giannis Antetokounmpo in his mid to late 20s, a guy that had been to the conference finals a couple times, had yet to really be able to bust out. Those are the teams that you sort of want to be taking a look at. When the Lakers wound up winning that title that I mentioned a little bit earlier, you had more role players that were a little bit younger, like a Kyle Kuzma, who was really able to do a good job as a third wheel of this team, not necessarily a guy that was taking over games, but at the same time was able to do a solid job. Anthony Davis, as we know, he certainly fits the bill with that regard as well. So I think that these are the teams that really are going to be providing a lot of value for you moving forward. And that brings up the Utah Jazz at 11-1. to I think that this is a team that 
you were able to feel relatively good about. You've got a good core with guys like Donovan Mitchell. Now, once again, from a game-to-game perspective, you're going to be needing to take a look at Rudy Gobert and his status moving forward. He wanted going into COVID protocols earlier today, and that is one of the big issues. When it comes to the NBA, you're noticing that fewer and fewer books are listing overnight lines, and the reason is you've got so many guys that wind up getting signed off the scrap heap, and it goes to something that I always say about the NBA. Betting in-game is your friend, especially when you wind up having all this mixing and matching. You have no idea how a guy like Mario Chalmers, who hadn't played in the NBA for three years, is going to wind up faring. Langston Galloway with Milwaukee. I mean, the list goes on and on. At some point, I sure, certainly hope that Craig Steams was 35 years old. I want to have a cup of coffee in the NBA wise getting a call. But we're going to be making a call on this show. Pam Maldonado, she does a terrific job when it comes to Yahoo. We're going to be talking to her next about what to expect from the prop market this week in the NFL and about the national title game in college football. That's next right here on The Look at on VSIN, the Sports Bank Network. This is The Look Ahead on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit vcent.com to check out the current betting splits data. This new feature gives you insights on where the money and the bets are moving for every single game. You'll be able to see where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money doesn't match up with the public opinion. Data is available for Moneyline over, under, and against the spread bets. Betting splits are another way vcent is here to make you a smarter, better year-round. So check out today's betting splits for every single game at vcin.com as we're back here on the lookout with myself greg peterson filling in for scott seidenberg and it's great to be joined by our guests as pam maldonado does absolutely terrific work over there at yahoo she also does a great podcast of of her own the stats the stack of stats podcast and you're able to follow pam on twitter at pamela the letter m and then the number 35 and pam great to have you aboard tonight thank you so much for joining me hey thanks for having me happy new year happy new year to you too and it is a happy new year to NFL betters as well, because it is now week 18. And we were talking about this a little bit off air. The fact that you absolutely love betting week 18. I know that where you really like to cash in on is the props. So tell people a little bit about how you're going to be gauging this week from a player prop standpoint. You have to target for week 18 for the final week of the NFL. You have to target the players that are reaching incentives, the players who are looking for milestones, breaking records, the most yards, the most touchdowns. Um, They have an opportunity to tie a record, franchise record, league record. There are so many opportunities. So you have to look at the players who are one in contention. They're fighting for something. And if they're not fighting for a playoff spot, if they're not playing for a play for a seed position, then maybe they're playing for some of these incentives. And then you have to see, does it match up? You can't just blind bet any type of player prop just because it's on the table. Does it make sense for the outcome? Does If it's a receptions prop, if it's a, a receiving yards prop, well, are they playing against a susceptible secondary, a bad rushing defense if it's a rushing offense prop? Like, you have to look and see if it correlates. So you really have to, like, pinpoint because there's so many to target. But if you are, if you play your cards right, you can come out with, like, a big payday just like how I did last season. Oh, yeah, you mentioned that, and you wound up getting, like, plus 11,000 on a parlay of player props. Absolutely incredible. I think that you wound up having Derrick Henry over 200-plus yards because he needed that to be able to get a massive incentive. Lamar Jackson needed 92 rushing yards. He was able to get there. So you were able to do an absolutely terrific job with that last season. And when it comes to this year, are there any guys that really stand out to you with regards to some of their incentives that might be reachable on week 18? 
I'm not going to yet say which ones. I'll, I can talk about which ones that I love, but I know that there's one that I'm hesitant to take that a, people are going to be rushing to the window for is Cooper Cup. He has he needs 12 receptions to break the single season record. He himself has noted that he feels that 17-week record should be separate from 16-week ones, but he also needs 136 receiving yards to break the single season record. Now, that sounds all fun and games. He's had 100 receiving yards in almost every game. But does the situation match up like I just mentioned? You have Cooper Cup, fantastic receiver. Look who the quarterback is. It is Matthew Stafford, and he's having himself like a pretty good season. But he's also thrown 11 interceptions in his last eight games. And he's going up against a really good defense in San Francisco 49ers. So to me, if I'm trying to aim for something that I'm almost guaranteed is going to cash, or if I want to put it in a player prop parlay and try to hit that plus 11,000 like, like last season, I'm going to be hesitant to put him in it just because of how the Matthew Stafford has been playing correlated with you're going up against a good defense. So if I want something a little bit more probable, I'm probably going to lay off of this one. Yeah, I don't blame you there. I mean, trying to get 12-plus reception, it's in a game that is not an easy task. And then the other record-breaker one that really stands out is TJ Watt. Right now, his odds are minus 130 via DraftKings to be able to get at least a second half. They're going to be going up against the Baltimore Ravens. The Pittsburgh Steelers are obviously a lot is going to be riding for both of these teams on this game. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be laying 130 on any player recording more than a sack in a game. I mean, it's really hard to just get one. TJ Watt has been absolutely incredible this year. I don't know about you, but at minus 130 juice, I want no part of that. Uh, you could, you can see both ways. If it's something that is, TJ Watt is an absolute beast, <laughs> but you're also <laughs> going up against a really mobile quarterback in Finley. So you have to ask yourself, is it probable? It could, but I want something that's like, you have a vulnerable offensive line. The quarterback protection is just trash. So you're going to get to the quarterback really easily. It's going to happen. I don't want to search for the prop that, oh, well, one is likely to happen. No, he could have three in this game. So I agree with you on the juice. I'm a little hesitant to put something in like that. Um, but another one that you could consider instead would be like Aaron Rodgers. Like he can earn up to 100000 if he finishes in the top three in any passer rating, completion percentage, interception percentage, yards per pass attempt, and touchdown passes. Matt LaFleur has already said that his starters are going to be playing in this game. So at least for a half, you can almost guarantee that Aaron Rodgers is going to be trying to get some of these. He's going to try to come out with a good game. Touchdown passes, very attainable to do. He can have one or two at worst in the first half alone. Um, I think this would be a potential good spot to grab. Um, do you want to lay the juice is I think the typically I don't know what the odds are right now because the odds aren't exactly posted, but you can assume that it's going to be maybe over one and a half passing touchdowns. That's something that I would definitely consider. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to take a look at that because when it comes to Aaron Rodgers, he's a guy that he's right now in the driver's seat to be able to win MVP. As we know, when it comes to the Green Bay Packers, they've got things relatively sewn up to be able to get that number one seed. This is a game in which Right now, I'm seeing at DraftKings, the Packers laying three and a half, and I think that the big thing that you've got to be taking a look at when it comes to this game in general, just are the Packers actually going to be able to play their guys? Because from all indications, it seems to be, and if that winds up being the case, Packers laying three and a half, all the player props that we're mentioning right now, they all look really, really good, but I think that a key this week as well, just going to all this that we're talking about with the Packers, just gauging the newswire, gauging everything that we're seeing in general with regards to these beat reporters on social media as a who slash who is not going to be 
going full bore. I think that that's absolutely critical with this Packers versus Lions game. Absolutely. You can also consider, though, Jonathan Taylor. If you don't want to, if something is a little bit more wonky because, okay, well, are they going to start the starters to the Packers? Is Aaron Rodgers going to play? Is he going to sit? You could go somebody, go, go to another team like Jonathan Taylor and the Colts who are playing the Jags. He needs 266 rushing yards to hit 2,000 mark. Just like last year, I needed Derrick Henry to hit his 2,000 mark last season, and he came through with a big one because he was going up against the Texans. He needed 223 rushing yards, Derrick Henry, last year. And he hit that because he was going up against one of the worst rushing defenses in the NFL. Jonathan Taylor has a similar scenario right here. He needs 266 to hit 2,000. The Jags are bottom five in uh, against the run. This is a must-win game for the Colts because uh, against a terrible Jags team. So with that said, like Indian, uh, Indy, they may not want to burn out Jonathan Taylor, but at the same token... There's already been footage of teammates, of coaches, of him saying that I want to hit this mark. Hey, we want to see you hit this mark. So those are the cues that you want to look for. Are coaches, are anybody, is anybody out there verbalizing that this is something that wants to be achieved? Because then those are the players that you want to lay your money on. Oh, absolutely. Because you do have certain teams that they're going to be probably trying to give their guys a little bit of rest, who we mentioned with the Green Bay Packers. There's a chance that you might have a little bit of that. Obviously, the Indianapolis Colts, they want every win humanly possible, so that way they're able to go into the postseason feeling good about themselves. And if you're just looking at the regular, I guess you could call it unjuice player prop of Jonathan Taylor, right now I'm seeing that at DraftKings at 115. I think that he should be able to get there 115 and a half on that. So I do think that that's a relatively solid one. But when it comes to some of these things that we're going to be seeing in week 18 as well, I mentioned it a little bit earlier, you are going to be seeing some more strange lineups out there because, I mean, just because of the times that we're in right now, COVID-19 knocking a lot of guys out. You do have a lot of teams that they are just out of the race in general. How do you wind up gauging some of these teams that they're just completely out of it? They don't necessarily have a lot of players that are fighting for incentives as well, like a team like the Chicago Bears, for example, because I think that these are some of the biggest enigmas to take a look at in the final week. You have to also look at maybe this is a last game for a potential quarterback. So like for the Seahawks plus six and a half against the Cardinals. I do like the Seahawks here as an underdog role. They aren't in the playoffs. They're not going to be in the playoffs. But potentially this is the last time that Russell Wilson is going to be playing with the Seahawks. And this is still a division rival. So that competitiveness, especially from somebody like Russell, who is a very competitive quarterback, he's going to show up for this game. And these players, maybe they're not playing for incentives. Maybe they're not playing for any type of playoff spot. But they are still playing for contract extensions. They are still playing to be an ideal candidate to go to a different team. You're still trying to show off your talents and saying, I'm not here to give up on my team. I want to finish out the season. This is my job. I'm showing up in week 18. This is a potential spot here for the Seahawks. This is an Arizona can win the NFC with a win and or with the Rams loss. But the Cardinals, they are a better road team than they are at home. This is a good spot for catching Russell Wilson who is potentially playing with his last Pete Carroll game together. Um, I definitely like the Seahawks here in an underdog role against a division rival. Last time we could see him in a uniform for Seattle. And when it comes to Russell Wilson, this is the first time in his career that he's ever had a losing season. He, I don't think he wound up having any in college as well. So 
I mean, he certainly is mm -hmm. used to winning, so you got to figure that that's going to be a big spot and something else that is a big spot. The national title game in college football. We're going to be talking about that next and just so much more with Pam Maldonado right here on the other side on the look at right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great Thank conversation. You. This is The Look Ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. VSIN has a great new offer for you to be able to make this your best betting season ever. Our all new big game, big dance special provides VSIN all access to everything we do now until April 5th for just 69 buckaroos. Sign up now and you'll be able to get our daily best bets emails, 24 7 video access, the upcoming big game, and college hoops betting guys, plus full access to vcin.com with our exclusive betting split breakdowns on every single day. It's one of the most exciting betting seasons of the season, so just don't miss out on one of the best deals of the season. Visit vcin.com slash big deal to be able to sign up today as it is a look at it is myself, Greg Peterson. I can tell you right now, I will be contributing much more for that March Madness guide rather than the big game guide. I'll probably be doing a little bit on both, but certainly the college basketball guide is going to be a big one and Someone that always contributes and always does a great job is Pam Maldonado over there at Yahoo. She is sticking with me. And Pam, when it comes to the national title game, obviously this is going to be a big one on Monday between Georgia and Alabama. Line has settled in with Georgia being a three-point favorite and the total between 52 and 52 and a half when you take a look at it. But I know that you've been very good at being able to find alternative ways to be able to bet a lot of these games with regards to just the side and total before the game. I know that you've wound up going in-game on a lot of things, obviously, Player props are not necessarily as prolific when it comes to college football, but for a game like this, you're certainly able to find quite a few more of them. What is going to be your approach when it comes to the national title game? Because obviously, last game of the year, I know that a lot of people, they like to go full board. I always am someone that says that you shouldn't just be putting in bigger bets because the game is a little bit bigger, but there's alternative ways to be able to get in more bets than an average game. For this championship game, I'm going to keep it simple. I'm going to take Alabama outright to win. I am so convinced that Georgia, absolutely fantastic defense against the run. The susceptibility comes in the passing game. And Nick Saban, I was entirely wrong that against the Bearcats, he would not change the DNA of this offense from a passing team, potent offense to the run game. And that is exactly what he did. He switched it up, ran, 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 because that is the susceptibility of the Bearcats. The vulnerability from Georgia is against the pass, and they've shown it now in two straight seasons against Alabama. 
in the SEC championship game against Georgia, 420 passing yards, 115 yards rushing. And this is actually the same plan as last year. Mac Jones was able to put up also 420 yards against against Georgia just last season. And that is quite telling that in back-to-back years, you have given up 400-plus passing yards and 40 points to two different quarterbacks. And not just that, but even to Tennessee, Georgia gave up th- over 300 passing yards. To Tennessee, that is a run-first team. So that is some definitely some sus- a susceptible secondary there. This is going to be an offense that is able to exploit that, even without Mechie as a wide receiver in the game. Alabama has those types of receivers where their three stars, their four star recruits are still better than most of the teams in the nation. I'm not worried about that being a key opponent, a key component that is not there available. And then you have Nick Saban as a head coach. How many times has he shown that he is able to outcoach you almost every time? And that's going to be a similar case to here. And not only that, but you have Stenson Bennett. Tell me in any type of game situation, who are you going to trust as a quarterback? And I would 100% take Bryce Young over Stenson Bennett 10 times over any day of the week and next year. Because in back-to-back games in 2020 and 2021, Stenson Bennett has shown that he has a problem going up against the pass rush for Alabama in two games in two seasons. Three interceptions, two sacks last year. Two interceptions, three sacks this year. There's nothing that tells me that this is the type of offense, a Stenson Bennett offense, that can change its ability to contend with an Alabama team, I'm going to take Alabama on the money line, and I'm going to feel good about it. Yep, I'm right there with you. I think that the last time Alabama has wound up actually losing as an underdog, I think that you have to go back to something like 2012. I mean, it has been a really, really long time since Nick Saban has been an underdog and actually lost the game outright. So I am right there with you. And I do think that what you want to mentioning is something that sometimes you need to do in handicapping. Just keep it simple because Nick Saban, time and time again, when he's an underdog, he winds up coming through. And when you just put it in the way of you've got Nick Saban on one side and a team that is co- that is quarterbacked by Stetson Bennett on the other side, I mean, I feel like it's very obvious. Now, there are a lot of people that they like to make things a little bit more complicated. And certainly there are situations in which it's not quite this simple, but Sometimes when it comes down to handicapping, sometimes the simple the simple choice that is out there, like we're right now mentioning, I feel like sometimes it's just the one that you got to go with. Absolutely. And I don't want to take away anything that Sensei Bennett has done. As a walk-on, he's been a fantastic for quarterback for Georgia. So I want to give him credit where credit is due. But at the same token, this is not about entirely about quarterback versus quarterback. It's also about... The defense and Georgia, everyone wants to talk about how great this Georgia defense is. And absolutely, we've shown and they have shown time and time again against running teams. This is what their DNA is. They stop running teams in the tracks. It's running into a brick wall, holding all of them to like 100 yards or less. But now you have to look at the schedule and they have only played all season long one team inside the top 50 for passing yards. And that was against Alabama. And it was the same last year <laughs> against Alabama. So it's just it's just how their schedule lines up. It's just a vulnerability of theirs. So that's where you can see where, okay, they're top 10 defense against the pass. But are they really? Because look at the competition that they have faced. And it's perhaps a skewed line, a skewed statistic, go in a little bit deeper. And you're going to say, okay, that is an actual vulnerability that can work against them. And in back-to-back seasons, it has. Yep, I think that that is such... I think that that is just so on point with regards to that. And 
When it comes to the total on this game, I actually do lean a little bit to the under. We're talking about Alabama, Bryce Young being absolutely amazing, but what I think winds up getting a little bit of short shrift and winds up getting pushed under the radar a little bit is how good Alabama has been on defense this season. They did wind up having that game of which you wound up having against Arkansas, which it was a complete and utter shootout, but we wound up seeing them do an absolutely superb job against Cincinnati with Georgia. It's not necessarily been the world's most prolific offensive team to begin with. I'm not sure where you stand on the total, but I lean a little bit towards the under myself. I love totals, and this is one total that I'm not sure what to do. I can make a case for the under. I can make a case for the over, and it all comes down to how much of a defense is Alabama going to have, in my opinion. We're talking about the Georgia defense. Yes, I don't think they're going. If I'm taking Alabama, it's because they're not going to stop Bryce Young. They're not going to stop this offense. They're going to find a way to score. They're going to put up points, more touchdowns than field goals. Now, the other side of the table is how much of a defense is Alabama going to have against the Georgia offense? Sensa Bennett, he still was able to put up over 20 points and over 300 passing yards of his own, but that was also for a playing from behind situation. I can see a scenario where the Georgia, where Alabama's defense just like absolutely just the offense just throttles Georgia so bad that they're putting up. It's going to be a similar scenario where I could see 40-20 just like last time in back-to-back seasons. It could be that. Or it could just be a one-way road where it's Alabama taking complete control and Georgia just having absolutely no response. So because of that, I don't have a strong opinion on the total. I definitely feel stronger with taking the points with Alabama and the money line. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with getting down on some tennis as well. Because as we know, the Australian Open is going to be starting relatively soon. I know that you do an absolutely tremendous job when it comes to handicapping tennis as well. What is going to be your outlook when it comes to the Australian Open? Because obviously things are going to be much more different this year than they've been in the past. When it comes to handicapping the Australian Open, you've got the whole Novak Djokovic situation, which boy, oh boy, that is fascinating to say the least. But with regards to the Aussie Open, what are you going to be taking a look at with regards to both the men's and the women's side? I'm going to keep it to what I've always done, and that's looking at the futures market, whatever that may look like, because it's still not available because of the Djokovic situation. I'm going to look, what I also like to bet are who's going to win each quarter, because you can definitely find value in those types of situations. If you break down the bracket by yourself and have your own predictions from start to finish, there could be some good value spots in that regard. Um, the odds aren't available right now. So how I'm attacking this right now is just a sit and wait position. If an odd, if the odds do pop up and you do have, we don't know exactly. Novak Djokovic is still has a potential here to play long shot, but he does have the potential because he's going to appeal his denial for access into Australia. Well, that's why the odds are off. And because of COVID, I wouldn't want to take a futures bet without seeing the draw anyway. So I'm going to sit back. I'm going to wait. There's a lot of pre-tournaments that are happening right now leading up to the Australian Open. I'm watching those, and I'm seeing who's in form, who's maybe coming in healthy, who ha- who's looking a little bit rusty. Um, is 2021 season carrying over into this new year as far as strength? Is, are people served? So if I want to back somebody like Alexander Zverev, you back him because he has a fantastic serve. So has his double fault demons come back into play? Or is he kind of... Are those now back behind him and he's uh, serving better and stronger and consistent is what I'm looking for. Somebody like Daniil Medvedev, who's he has a shot now to overtake Novak Djokovic as world number one. 
he's going to be hungry in this tournament because that is a new feat that nobody has had in how long it's been Djokovic. And now Medvedev has a chance because Djokovic may not play. So I'm just sitting back, I'm watching, waiting for the draw, watching the tournament's prehand, and then once the draw is out, I'm ready to fire. That is going to be absolutely wild to take a look at. Pam does an absolutely terrific job on that market. And coming up next, going to be talking some college basketball right here on The Look At on VSIN, the Sports Bank Network. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media. But now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. Saturdays are for sunshine, especially for your ears. With another election, ongoing wars, and natural disasters, we know the news can be a lot to take in. And we're determined to share the bright side of humanity. Every Saturday, take a breather from the headlines and hear all the uplifting happenings across the world with Five Good Things, a new weekend edition of CNN Five Things. That means you can find this goodness in the same feed as Five Things. Listen to Five Good Things on the iHeartRadio app. 